This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, beautiful people. I'm your spirit doing. Welcome back to another episode of my podcast because I'm dope as shit and I get to bring on dope people and talk with. It's a brand new year. Um, did, how was your Christmas real quick? I mean, do you do you, do you do you celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa? It was, <laughs> it was good. Yeah, no, I'm not Jewish today. Uh, <laughs> no, it was good. I do celebrate Christmas um, and I celebrate really kind of all the holidays. I have a hodgepodge of friends. And um, so, yeah, we uh, it was good. It was quiet family. You know, I did not get to go back to South Florida to visit my son. So I kind of. I feel a little out of place because of that. I usually see him around Christmas. This was actually the first Christmas I wasn't with him. So okay. it was very interesting. But, um, but yeah, it was nice. It was quiet. Okay. I'll take that. Yeah. Um, what was your favorite gift that you gave and received? Oh, gosh. That's a good question. Um, I The favorite gift that I gave was pro- <laughs> was probably uh i gave anthony my uh, boyfriend's sister a robe and it was very uh it's very uh typical holiday gift to like random females in the family right yeah but i i was unaware that saturday night live had a very uh funny skit that same i guess the weekend before christmas or something and uh, she had seen that skit. And so when I gave her the robe, her reaction was like over the top. And I was like, why is this woman freaking out? And it turns <laughs> out it's because of the skit. And I hadn't seen it. So it ended up being the funniest gift that I think <laughs> I gave. I mean, yeah. So, but that was probably the funniest one. And then um, I think the, the my favorite gift was giving Anthony's mom a Norwegian cookbook. She's Norwegian. Really? And, uh, yeah. And it was a really beautiful book with all kinds of really pretty food pictures in it and um, Norway mm-hmm. scenes and stuff. And she was really, she loved it. So I, was, I like giving gifts to people that are meaningful. So I, I can see that. It seems, yeah. Uh, I, my, my wife and family are all Norwegian or whatever. And, and, uh-huh. I think it's all weird. Like I hate all their food. <laughs> like I do not care for. <laughs> well, that, that's what Lake Mills is. It's a, it's a Norwegian town. Norwegian, so. yeah, totally, yeah. Well, Andrew, so you guys eat a lot of lefse during? Yeah, the no, <laughs> we got lef- lefse and this fish and and this. Oh, I don't do the fish potato man. thing. It's yeah. Here's the thing we we've actually been we've been on and off dating, I guess, for like 14 years. So. The first couple of years when I came around, I was like, yeah, I'll try this stuff. Okay, I'll give it a... And it was, it's was. it been... It's one of the some of the worst food. And I don't even think you can call it food. I feel like it's just diff, different preparations of normal food. It's like, right. <laughs> why fry it when we can cook it in a toaster? Like, no, that's dumb. So anyway. Right. Um, we've, uh, we've been in... <laughs> we've been going way too long for us to not... Uh, pause and introduce you. And what I like to do is because I feel like I can't introduce you better than you can. 
I like you to tell everybody who you are and some things about you. Oh, wow. You like put people on the spot on this show, huh? <laughs> I, like, I, thought, I don't know what you I thought. I was just going to be answer, answering some simple questions. And it's like, tell me about yourself. This is a damn <laughs> okay. Yes, this is a, it turns into a dating uh, thing. So. <laughs> Seriously. So uh, my name is Angie uh, Perez, and I um, am a transplant, an official transplant. Um, I moved to North uh, Central Iowa, like it's going to be four years now in March. And um, and yeah, uh, the reason why I moved here originally, I would joke around and say I was here on the witness protection program and people thought that was pretty funny. But uh, I moved here for my boyfriend because he's from here. I work in a nonprofit industry and we met. I went to one of your shows. I think that's how we met. I think it wasn't the first uh, Toys for Tots. I don't think it was a Toys for Tots show that I saw you at. It was just a re- one of your regular comedy shows. I think at Mason City Brewing, probably uh, it was before COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it would have been 2018. That's what I was thinking about. I think it was 2018. Yeah, because I think we met in 2018, a little shortly after I moved here. I I didn't meet Anthony until I want to say 2019. Yeah, because you know he worked nights when I first moved here. Oh, uh-huh. so well, I used to go out, you know, gallivanting. At yeah, night. you did. Well, that's that's uh-huh. great because it's new. It's a new place for you, right? So like going out yeah. is the way to meet people. And I was doing a wedding. <laughs> well, I guess a reception. I was doing a reception yeah. that Dylan Meek, <laughs> he he knew the bride. He knew, I think he knew the bride and groom, but I think he had more of a relationship with the, with the bride. And, and he set it up where he wanted to have me hired for the gig. And I'm like, sure, I'll do it. But you should also do some time too, because you know, these people. And I think right. that'd be great. You can do a couple of minutes and then I'll, I'll come and take it away. And <laughs> within like 60 seconds of his set, he's talking about, the foulest things <laughs> like, there's children going around there's older elderly like there was one woman who had to get up and leave and oh, wow. uh, then he's like okay day take it away <laughs> so uh anthony was there as the photographer for the wedding and uh yes we yes. talked briefly but part of that conversation was kind of his story and how he's done comedy before and how he's wanted to do it again and that led to me inviting him to do Toys for Tots in 2019. Right, 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 right. So I don't yeah. think I knew that you guys had been together. I don't think I knew I think that. you and I had already met. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. And but then I, he I, he mentioned, or did I see the photos? And I said, oh, my God, that's day. Because, of course, you know, from my nights gallivanting out on the town. Yeah. yeah no, yeah. I, t- I didn't know you guys were in a relationship. So before we hit record, you were sort of talking about two factors. You were talking about starting your own podcast, which you are easily the 20th person on here that I've talked with. That's like, Hey, I want to do it. And my strongest suggestion is always definitely like, even if it's three episodes that you said you have, um, (laughs) putting content out, I think is one of the most cathartic free expression. Like it's been such a fun process for me as a artist as a content creator like i do the podcast almost more for me than for anybody else right and yes please do 
you were saying, hey, part of it, it's like relationship talk. You you were married for an extended period of time, then mm-hmm. divorced, and now in a new relationship, in a new state. So I'm going to let you yeah. take it away with uh, all the information that you want to share. <laughs> well, it's just, it's interesting. Like, I, I think I originally started the podcast because... Um, It was like you said, I found it to be therapeutic to talk to other people that were kind of going through or had gone through similar things um, that I had gone through. When I got married a long, long, long time ago, um, (laughs) I don't, I won't, we won't go. Well, okay. We can go into details. I don't know. What what, what Um, year? I got married in 1996. (laughs) I know. I know. I know. I got married at 11 years old. Okay, Dave. So it was nice talking to you, Dave. This was a great episode. (laughs) Guys, thanks for listening. We're going to let you go now. Shortest episode ever. Yes, 1996. I'm proud of my age. I don't really care. A lot Mm. of these people, you know, that get hung up on, I think age is a number. And I think it's all about how you feel. You know, I don't get caught up on that. So, yeah. I got married in 96. We met as a blind date. It was like instantaneous love. It was crazy. And so we we had a really good run. We were together for 20 years, married for 18. um, And had a son who is now 23. And, yeah, so we, you know, we got divorced. Um, I think my son was like 14 or so, 13, something like that. So been divorced for a while. And so at the time that I got divorced, the online dating thing had exploded, you know, onto the scene. And I come from, at the time I had come from the original, like, where do you meet people? Because people introduce you to people or you start dating somebody at work, which you should never do as a whole other topic for you. Um, or, you know, you get, you get introduced as a blind date by someone like he and I had met. And so doing the online dating thing was like a, an, an entire weird experience. I mean, it was so strange. Um, the superficiality of it, getting dressed up, going to a club, meeting people is totally different than putting your your pictures up on some profile and trying to write something about yourself that doesn't sound too this way or that way. And, you know, it was just so superficial. It was so weird. It was like you were under a microscope. It was it, it's psychologically scarring so much. I mean, Anthony and I met online, my current uh, boyfriend. It's just, it, it's a very interesting thing having come from the time period before that even existed. So then I broadened it a little bit just to relationships in general. I yeah, I only have three in <laughs> three episodes. <laughs> um and I, you know, I've hesitated to put it out because I feel like no one would be interested in listening to it. And so I've had these conversations with my friends and I've recorded them and we've talked about our situations and it was therapeutic for me. You know, it it felt good to talk to other people about similar situations. And so. <laughs> uh, no, you, you, you have to do it. I think 2020 right. showed us how quick things can be taken away from you. So, so technically you would have a success story. Like, Hey, I met this guy and like blew up each other's world. And this is the success meeting someone online story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's so smart. until one of you like are a we... serial killer or something. You know, like... <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Well, what's really funny is um, he was the first person that I met and went out with after, after my divorce. Yeah. Wow. And so I know. Okay. So, 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 so get, get, we give out. the listeners a little bit. So you, you have a divorce. Did you like hit the clubs and go crazy, like making up for lost time? Or you were just like Oprah book clubs and like very reserved. And then you got out to date again and so, boom. So I, okay. I got divorced and I was not the type ever. Like I, I partied and stuff, but I was, it's not really like, heavily my style you know i'm not like the multiple partners at a time kind of thing i'm a little vanilla when it comes to that right okay but um i had a couple of things i i sort of i think now looking back at them and through through help with my therapist right (laughs) we went through them i was like why am i doing these things and and he helped me understand right right so i i yeah i had a couple of things that were like even though my ex-husband was totally unaware there was revenge sex there was uh you know i had never um i had never done certain things and so mm-hmm. i did them and you know there was a lot a little bit of that yeah what was was any of this not to get in you don't have to go into specifics was any of it like rewarding like i'm kind of glad i did those things yeah okay okay well then yeah. that makes me feel better okay <laughs> yeah they were there were a couple of things that you know afterwards i felt like mm, i shouldn't have done that you know um but there were a few things that were really great experiences like i i i had a super cougar moment super oh. duper cool yeah like legit too young to even <laughs> want to talk about it right now because it makes me uncomfortable but no for real like youngest person i had i had ever thought in a million years that i'd be with and he ended up being a really amazing it was an amazing experience we had really fantastic sex surprisingly because he was so young here i thought you know i was gonna have one of those mrs robinson moments where i was gonna teach him shit and it turned it out to be totally the opposite right i was like where'd you learn how to do that that's funny and uh you know he was really into cooking so he cooked for me and stuff. It was I had some good experiences after my divorce. I did. <laughs> I thought you said he was really into cookies. I'm like, that's because he's young. That's because he's a child. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> I do want to ask, what was it about your, your current boyfriend that made you like, okay, I'm going to leave Florida. Um, this, you know, the orange juice state. What, what's, what's Florida? This <laughs> What, what, what is the Florida? orange juice state? <laughs> it's a sunshine state. The sunshine. Okay, I was gonna say sunshine, but I'm like, it's sunshine a lot of sunshine state. and and which you know of... it rains every day, so I don't know where they get the sunshine from. But um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna move my life to this new state because I'm I'm originally from Detroit. I met my wife out here in in Lake Mills, and we moved to Arizona, and this was right. really. In a time where I didn't think our relationship was as, as was that strong, because uh-huh. even when she moved to Arizona and we were together and living in the same space, we we had broken up a time okay. or two. So and, and so it was it was very awkward and weird, but things got better, and then we moved back to Iowa. So just from your you know point of view what was it that made you say okay i'm i will move with you 
and I moved to Iowa. <laughs> well, right. So it didn't necessarily happen like I'll move with you. Um, so we went out, like I was saying, the first, right? He was the first guy that I had gone out with after I got divorced. And then we remained friends because I was recently divorced and he was recently divorced and nobody was getting into a relationship right away. Um, so we continued to hang out periodically. We'd go to a concert. Uh, we'd go out to dinner. You know, we'd hang out, but it wasn't anything serious. And then I saw other people too. Then, you know, everybody that I would go out with, I just wouldn't have as much fun as I had with him. And, um, you know, we, we love the same kind of music and we, uh, we would talk for hours and, you know, it was just different. And then I go out with some other person and it was like, that was boring. You know, uh, I decide to kind of confess to him one day that I, um, I had feelings for him, like more than just, you know, I, I don't want to just be friends. And it was like, I can't, he said, I can't do it you know, cause he traveled a lot and, you know, he just, he wasn't ready at the time. So I said, okay, fine. Well, um, I met somebody else and, uh, you know, we got along fine and he was giving me attention and what I needed and he was present. And so I gave the guy a shot and, um, went out with him for about a year and, and a few months and remained friends with Anthony, you know, the whole time. And then he, he told me he was moving back to Iowa. And in the meantime, I had broken it off with this other guy. And uh, I was like, yeah, you know, you should totally move back to Iowa. I mean, his father had passed away and his uh, mom and grandmothers were still here and living. And so he wanted to be closer to family. So I was like, I think that sounds like a good idea. And, and so he left. And then I, you know, we, we were talking almost every day. And he was like, you should come visit. And we had all along, we had never had a relationship um, we had just had a friendship, you know, really. And so came to visit and we had, um, you know, we had a, a, a great time. I mean, I came up for uh, Christmas by the lake in Clear Lake and mm. that weekend we had a really nice time and I left. And then it was very interesting because I thought, wow, you know, I just, I was always, I guess I have always had feelings for him. And so I went back home, you know, I was like, God, that was a long way to go to feel like crap again. You know, you know, he, for the first time said, I really miss, you know, having you like, it was nice to have you here. And it's so quiet now. And of course, cause it's North Iowa, what the hell you do here, you know? But, um, so we just explored the possibility of, you know, me living closer. My son had just graduated high school. He was not going to go away to college. So he was going to stay in Florida. And honestly, I was dying to get out of Florida and I was looking to move anyway. And I thought, well, you know, we I came up to visit a few more times and, and then uh, I explored the possibility and I had sold my house and, you know, I didn't really like the job I was in anyway. And so I don't know, you know, honestly, I dove off a cliff. I have to tell you. And it was the first time in my life. I'm a very calculated planning person. And it was uh, the first time in my life that I had ever done anything for me. I had always planned my life around everyone else. You know, uh. my ex-husband had wanted to go to law school and for 10 years, the first 10 years we were married, he always talked about it. So I signed him up for law school, you know, the LSAT <laughs> one time. Mm -hmm. And 
I was like, you're going to law school. And so I, I worked while he went to law. I was like, I always gave up of myself, you know? And so I thought, screw it. I'm going to pursue, you know, I'm going to follow my heart. And, uh, and I did, I dove off a big cliff and here I am. <laughs> <laughs> I've met some awesome people like you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it's kind of scary, you know, and then North central Iowa is, it's a strange little own kind of um i have found quite a few people that um are kind of like i call them my people you know like people i can say okay these are like-minded folks that think like i think and you know have similar beliefs or values or whatever and then i've uh, not that i've butted heads with anyone but i have certainly been exposed to some very interesting opposing people you know <laughs> That's a uh, uh, nice way of saying racist. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, so it's interesting, right? Pieces of shit so- I've, I've met. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. (laughs) I know, right? Personally, I kind of really dislike labels, right? So I try and and fight the label thing as much as I can. But so to stay conservative, right? Um, And all the negative aspects that comes with that word. um, There's, I guess there's, I, I struggle with what to define those folks here, right? And I'm not even talking about like the extreme. I'm talking about like the middle of the road kind of person that you'll encounter here. I'm a, I'm Hispanic, right? So my parents were um, both very conservative. They were, I was raised Catholic, you know? Um, so it was kind of like interesting because my dad was a racist. So we come from an island in the Caribbean, which is... Primarily, I mean, initially Cuba was Indian, right? There were natives and Spaniards, you know, conquered it like much of the, um, much of the Caribbean, right? And they brought slaves. And so uh, Cuba's black. I mean, 80% of Cuba is black and they're black Latinos, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really funny because I always brought that up to my parents, you know, and, uh, oh no, it wasn't like that a long time ago. And then I'll never forget one time I'm cracking up in the bookstore. I see this book, coffee table book, and it says, uh, it's Cuba then and now it's a picture book. And, um, I look in the book and there's these photos, photographs, really, really beautiful book. I should have bought it. I never did. And there's a corner of a uh, like a street corner and I'm looking and all the people this is like the photos like from the 1940s or 1930s and everyone on that corner waiting for the bus kids whatever they're all black so I called my mom and I'm thinking to myself you know I, I couldn't go there was pictures of like showgirls at Tropicana nightclub 
those didn't count because the showgirls were all black. So I found a street scene where like everyone and every time I'm flipping through this book, I'm like, everybody's black in this book. Like, what is my mother talking about? So I remember calling her up and I'm like, I'm looking at this book and you lied to me. Yeah. Like you sitting here telling me like like Cuba <laughs> was invaded by black people after you left or something in the 60s. I'm like, I'm looking at a picture of 1939 and it's all black people. Like, what are you talking about? So, yeah, I mean, I grew up, I grew up in a conservative household. And had I dated a black person, it would have been problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a friend who was Dominican. And honestly, he was oh. black because he was Dominicano, you yeah. know, and we were friends and he came over to pick me up one night and my dad, you know, met him. I introduced him. And then the next day it was like, you're not going to go out with that guy anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I literally grew up in a house like that. And I'm like, how is this? How, possible? how did that help mold your identity with race? Like with that? Well, so that's a whole, man, that's a whole other ball of wax. <laughs> okay, I know. I know, no, I know. I'll talk, no, and I'll give you like, I'll give you like the 10 second lowdown, right? I always say that I have a race identity problem because I grew up in a white neighborhood in California and I was, uh, you know, Latina, right? There were Mexicans around, but. Mm-hmm. Um, which I got dubbed a Mexican and I embraced it and that was fine because white people just know that Hispanics are Mexicans. They don't get, they don't yeah, get like, it. They, they don't get it. I grew up amongst Mexicans, right? And I have Mexicans that are like family for me. So when people just assume that I'm Mexican, I'm totally okay with that. Um, even though Cubans generally have issues with cute with Mexicans, they really don't like Mexicans because <laughs> yes. um, we open Mexico opened its doors to Fidel yes. and Che Guevara and all that, and they train there to take over Cuba. So technically, Mexico is like an unforbidden, you know, forbidden thing for Cubans. But um, but yeah, we had you know, I I. I it doesn't bug me one bit when people just assume that I'm Mexican. I don't have a problem with that. Um, but I say I have an identity crisis because I grew up in a Cuban household in a white neighborhood, predominantly, right? And so, but I don't, I don't consider myself like hot dog, apple pie, patriotic white, right? <laughs> Pledge of Allegiance, July 4th is my favorite holiday, white. Um, and so, and likewise, I... You know, I embrace my Hispanic side, but then that's confused too, right? Because I don't have an accent. I don't talk like Sofia Vergara. Um, <laughs> I've never been to Cuba, you know, but I can, you know, it's, it's very strange. So I, daughter of an immigrant, you know, or, or refugee or whatever you want to call it, I lose a lot of, uh, of identity automatically because it's just, it's very, it, it's very weird. I, yeah. We could do a whole episode on that. I want to. I want to go back to the Mohawks. Okay. Um, and I'm gonna let you just kind of share um, either your knowledge about it or or maybe um, your opinion. But the local high school basically had been called the Mohawks for oh so long, and they decided to change it, and and there was outrage. <laughs> there was so much outrage. Yeah. And a Facebook group page, and you know they 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 protest. <laughs> like, Right, it was a deal, but um, it 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 went through officially that they are going to change the name, and the they lost, I guess. So, so like, <laughs> what? How was that for you? 
because one of the things that I admire about you is your involvement in the community. In fact, I, I, I think it's so beautiful that you're not from here and you're like, hey, let me bring these things to this area, but also let's connect. So how, how is it for you coming to this place and hearing like a story like that and, and watching it as it, you know, unfold? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. It's been interesting. Um, so I don't have, obviously, a child in the school system. I live in Mason City, so my tax dollars obviously go to Mason City schools. Um, and I and I'm fine with that. Absolutely. I'm all about public school. I'm a child of public school. My son went to public school. Um, and so I don't have any problems with that you know, at all. On the contrary, I think school is actually vital. I mean, if you think about it, we should be paying our teachers, um, you know, and our school people <laughs> way more than they get paid. Because like, if you think about it, that's what's churning out the adults that go into the world and, and you know, do everything. I mean, like, mm-hmm. it's so lost on me how the education system in general in this country is so... Um, devoid of importance and it's just shocking to me but anyway that's like i said another topic um we could go on for days so much to talk about we can there's just so much but so so i you know part of me too um holds myself i hold myself back a lot from getting involved uh in certain things um not because i don't have the passion for it or a belief in it Um, but because, you know, I like to be middle of the road. I like to understand all sides of things. Um, I like to hear people. Uh, I don't just sit there and go, no, you know, I can't listen to what you have to say because I'm, I know I'm on the other side, you know? So I enjoy dialogue, but I like intelligent dialogue. Right. And I like open dialogue. And so like you, you might think something is, something is okay to do and I don't think it's okay to do but my thinking that it's not okay to do doesn't take away anything from you you know what I mean like I mm-hmm. I don't know it's really weird I'm just I'm kind of like one of the most peace loving I may have been a hippie at heart you know <laughs> well because like I just can't I don't understand where people go so crazy off the deep end one side or the other right I just don't get it so the way that I understand it is someone um, brought up, and I think there's a bit of irony. I think the people who were actually arguing to keep the name, there's someone involved in that group that actually brought the topic up. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know for what reason, but it was brought up. And it was brought up in the aspect of, no, it's cool. The Mohawk tribe, which, by the way, is not present in the state of Iowa at all. <laughs> they exist in New Jersey, I believe, in New York, close to the Canadian border. Um, that's where they're from or whatever. And I don't say any of these uh, things in light because I just say it because I'm not familiar because I am not, um, you know, I'm not Mohawk or I'm not Native. I do have Native American blood, but I'm not I'm not speaking on behalf of Native Native mm-hmm. American people. So I'm not making light of the situation. I'm just, you know, um, anyway, they, um, so the, the, the name topic came up and it was like, in a sense of, 
it's okay that we're using this name because uh, this person supposedly had reached out to the tribe, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So then, of course, <laughs> I believe it was I our super- speed down. <laughs> the superintendent. Yeah. Like, <laughs> instead of just shutting up, right? I, 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 whatever. So um, it was one of those, the guy probably talked a little too much, right? And so the, the superintendent, as I understand it, reached out to the tribe to confirm because this individual could not provide proof. Right, because he was lying. Because so, <laughs> he didn't, he didn't have it. <laughs> Sorry. Let's be real. Um, so he, um, the superintendent, reaches out. The tribe actually sent a letter, and the letter is on. Um, it's it's on the internet. You can read it. I I, I got a copy of the letter because I was curious. And in the letter, it states that for the last twenty plus years. They have actually been asking schools in Iowa, not just Mason City. There's like 60 some odd schools that use references of Native American, you know, in their in their mascot names, in their school names. And so um, I guess they had been asking for the last 20 plus years to have Iowa schools stop doing this. And Mason City school system was one of them. And I think it was just plain, plainly and blatantly ignored for the last 20 something years. Mm-hmm. And so the school board, um, I guess, took it seriously for the first time in 20 something years, which, you know what, props to them, right? Yeah. And if someone is talking and you're not even listening, then at least what they did was well, hold on a second, they quieted everything down and they listened, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, they voted, I guess, in November um, because in order to change the name of the school or whatever, right. it has to be voted on by the school board members. Right. So someone presented a motion. Somebody else seconded. They all yeah, voted. Like Congress. It was, it was a whole thing. Yeah. They all voted unanimously. Yeah, we're going to change the name. Right. So then, of course, you know, press release comes out. It's the paper and somebody's sitting there reading coffee in the morning and their life gets thrown for a loop because oh my god you know what am i gonna do with all my my mohawk uh sweatshirts yeah i can't wear my <laughs> i can't wear my t-shirts no more yeah. it's, like, <laughs> you know? it's like it honestly it to me is i know and i've spoken to some of the save the name type people and um they think it's a stupid issue right and um and likewise, I think it's a stupid issue that we even made that, that it even became an issue or got this far. Right. And so um, I just think that like I, I had there was someone that that posted something on Facebook that was a great example. And, and I don't know exactly what it was, but something to the effect of how would how would I guess how would white people feel if all of a sudden we wanted to name the school like the crackers or something yeah you know or or little whiteies or like yeah. I don't know whatever, whatever I have a t-shirt ends- I have a t-shirt that is um kind of a parody to the Atlanta Braves or no the the Cleveland Indians there it just go. says uh the Caucasians there you go and there you go you know it's been a, and that's been even a, being respectful. Yeah, it's it's been a right, right. It's been a topic that, for know, for a yeah. very long time, and I think the the beauty is people are starting to listen. Partly because there's we're we're and I'm saying we like 
a certain side of the fence are applying pressure so that these topics are getting in, in front of the limelight because I, I was doing a show a couple of weeks ago in a small town in Iowa and we went to the local bar to watch football because I had time before a Sunday night show and the bartender as well as everybody else that was kind of in the bar watching it refused to call the Washington football team their new name, which is the Washington football team. They were hell bent on calling them the Redskins because that's what they have been for oh so long. And it's one of those things where it's like, they're the Redskins to me. They'll always be the Redskins. And I feel like with that individual and the other individual, like we've already lost them. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. um, Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to share that. I think you have to, I think you have to get to the point where you just sort of, I guess it's like, it's like a group of kids, right? And you're walking with a group of kids and one just throws himself down into a tantrum. You kick him in the face. No, I'm just like, (laughs) at some stage, right? You try and reason and they're just flat out having a meltdown. You just step right over them and keep walking, you know? And eventually like they'll have to either cry it out you know, get up, dust off and join the group. Or you could just lay there upside down, crying, throwing your tantrum. Like it, things are, you know, things move forward and the world evolves and hopefully we evolve in a positive nature. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't see anything negative in um, honoring the requests of a certain demographic of people that, are, are just no longer refusing to be the joke or the parody or the, mm. the cartoon character of, yeah. you know, it's like for how long are we going to have the cartoon depiction in a negative fashion of like humans, you know, yeah. like just move on. Well, thanks, thanks for um, kind of going like walking through the, the entirety. I remember reading so many, like we are honoring them by and I'm like, don't don't tell me how yeah. you're going to honor me. Like, look, honor me by changing the name. So, uh, yeah, thank you exactly. for uh, one more final thing. I wanted to give you an opportunity to ask me a question. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> I well, I can't think of a specific question on the spot like that that I want to ask of you. I mean, I do, I do find it fascinating, and I will say this, and this is kind of like a, I guess, a, a hidden compliment to you. I do find it fascinating that there are individuals that can, and I believe that it's just a talent, that they can make others laugh, right? And I think that sometimes you find people that are out there trying to do what you do and they kind of just aren't funny. And like, I have a lot of, I have a lot of scenarios in my head that sound funny. And when I get together with people, Um, I have a good sense of humor, but like, I can never imagine myself actually writing jokes and talking about it because people tell me all the time, oh my God, you should be a comedian. I'm like, nope, absolutely not. You know, because I just can't, I can't see myself, you know, doing like what you and your friends do. And some some people just comes naturally. Mm -hmm. And so I just say it's more of a compliment than a question. You know, I think if you enjoy making people laugh, I think you should definitely stick with it. Um, I know it's probably not the easiest thing in the world to do. And, um, but, you know, I think that as long as you stay persistent 
in doing it and keep doing what you're doing and putting the shows together that you're putting together, I, I think it definitely will be something that becomes noticed. And I, I wanted to end on you and the work that you do. And I don't know if I asked you this, but maybe maybe I have, but I just it's always in the back of my mind. What is the most rewarding aspect of what you do? Because working with nonprofit and uh, putting on community events, I think is is dope. And to to you know doing doing like a Toys for Tots and 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 doing free comedy shows, things like that. Those are you know a smaller scale of bringing laughter to the community and you know uh, bringing live entertainment that that you you don't get a chance to see and bringing folks that are not from around here out here and um, making things a little bit more diverse. I find that, you know, like I lay in bed at night, like I'm, I'm very happy with this product. Um, well, yeah, what's the most rewarding part of what you do? You know, cause nonprofit, I mean, it is definitely isn't the salary. Right? <laughs> it's, it's not cause I'm making the money, Dave. <laughs> uh, you know, but um, no, I, I have, uh, I so I, I have experience in the corporate world. That's where I started. Um, I worked for law firms um, better part of my entire life, and it wasn't until about uh, eight years ago or so that I shifted gears and I left the corporate world. I left a very good paying job for a nonprofit role at um, um, at a, an organization that um, did work with. Uh, students 18 to 24 years old uh, entering college from under like what do you even call them right underprivileged areas Um, and so they would never have the ability to be in the same room with uh, executives from top corporations and so the founder of the organization was a uh, major stock trader guy you know in New York and he left it all cashed in all his money and um he was in, in the Big Brothers, Big Sisters program, and he had a little brother who was extremely intelligent. And um, just by the mere fact of where he was from, he was never going to be um, able to uh, bridge his way to the Ivy League circles of the world, right? And so he, uh, it became his mission to connect those dots. And so it was a wonderful organization called Year Up. They're all around the country. They're based, I believe, out of Boston. Um, but <clears throat> I went to, to work for them to do an operations role. And I loved, uh, I loved the feeling of going to work and being a tiny little part of a much bigger picture and somehow helping my community um, and helping people in need. And so... Um, I guess it's the it's the textbook reason why I hope that most people go into the work, work of nonprofit, which is, um, you know, if if you're not if you're not interested in making a difference, then you might as well just go work in the corporate field, you know, because, because you might as well make the paycheck. And so I just can't fathom being part of a community and not being able to, uh, one, give back and number two, um, actually point out, you know, deficiencies within your own community that when you analyze them can be rectified or can be helped by, um, by doing certain things. And, and I want to be part of those things, you know, so 
that's, I guess, how I look at it. That's beautiful. Thanks. Well, Angie, I appreciate you making time and talking with me today. And um, here's to uh, an, an amazing, relentless 2022. I, yeah, I like that. That the relentless. I like that. Uh, That's got to be the name of your next tour or something. Boom! Relentless tour coming. Yeah, coming, coming, coming so, to coming a to city, city near, near you, you, right? Exactly. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna get out of here. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you for well. having me. Uh, my absolute pleasure. I can't wait to uh, listen to your podcast when you launch it. Did you Did you ever share or did you ever come up with a name for the podcast? Um. Yeah, I never shared it, uh, and. <laughs> And I'm not ready to share. Okay. <laughs> For some reason, Trying to get those not, exclusive. I'm, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm holding on to it. You know, maybe in the future we'll do something together, and you could help me 